What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hello, everyone. We're back again. Thank you to everyone that's staying with us today. You never know uh, when we're going live and with who, and we've had continuous coverage here at the Lori Vallow Daybell Trial in Rexburg, Idaho. We are here now with Megan Connor again, a, a friend of the program, someone who has been through a lot because the woman sentenced today, Lori Vallow Daybell, is her cousin. It's her family. Rex, who I interviewed after the sentencing, is your uncle. This was heavy. And we heard Lori make a statement in court today, your cousin. Uh, you, you had a lot of heavy feelings after listening to this. You took the day off of work and you wrote something. She sent me, you sent me a statement you wrote. And I said, well, do you want to read that? Will you read that for us? And so we are here to hear from you, Megan, and whatever it is you want to say and whatever it is you're feeling post-sentencing of your cousin. Today, she received three consecutive life sentences and that and that's not all plus restitution plus 10 years plus more yeah i mean first of all i'm so grateful for that verdict i'm grateful that the sentences are consecutive and i'm grateful that it's without the possibility of parole because i think for me personally and i know for um i know rex said this on his podcast too that there's there's a huge risk that she would reoffend if she was ever released. And I think that her statements today confirm that she is definitely still a believer in all of these crazy teachings that she um, obviously is still, I, I liked the way Judge Boyce put it, that she went down a rabbit hole and she's still there. So um, I think that had a lot to do with, with the way that he sentenced her because she obviously has no remorse and is obviously still fully in this, um, in this fantasy land. So I'm grateful yes. for the verdicts. I'm glad that you're grateful. Has it been a relief? Has it been any sense of closure? Yeah, it's definitely a relief. Um, it definitely is closure because I think through, throughout this entire process, I mean, I, as I said yesterday, when the children were, were found, that was, that was incredibly difficult. And I felt, I felt a lot of grief for a long time that I had to process through. And once I was able to sort of work through that um, and talking with the mitigation specialist, I really explored a lot of feelings of compassion for Lori and for where she is and was, and for the things that she may have suffered in her childhood that led her to this. Um, but I do have to say that after hearing her statement today, any, any, I mean, <laughs> I'm a compassionate person, person by nature, and I'm, I'm very much an empathic person. And I always want to make room for the feelings of others and for the experience of others, but I'm also a human being. And um, I think any modicum of compassion that I had for her definitely went out the door when I heard her speak today. 
Really? That was the end of it. Yeah. Wow. Do you want to read your statement or how are you feeling about that? Yeah. I mean, if we can kind of read it at the end of when we're, okay. when we're done talking with anything about okay. everything, that, that would be yeah. good. I, I kind of want to end. Perfect. I like that. Okay. Do you, um, what was it about her statement where all empathy went out the window? Well, I, I think that she is, and, and I know you said on one of your lives that you don't think that she's delusional and I'll leave it up to Dr. John to sort of make that um, distinction too. because I know it has a, a specific definition that may not actually fit here. Um, but I, I think she's using this frame of mind to protect her from having to feel the emotions that one feels when you know that you're guilty of something. And she's using the, this belief system as a justification for what happened. And I found it particularly troubling that she tried to obfuscate by saying accident, accidents happen, you know, overdoses happen, things like that. I mean, just, I can't remember the exact words. There's so much to unpack there. But by trying to make us think that it was anything other than what it was, which was murder, just, you know, that, that was infuriating to me. And yeah, I, I, I actually agree with you. And you're right. You and I will both leave it up to Dr. John. We'll, we'll be asking him uh, soon, everyone, very soon. He, he, he is aware that Lori gave a statement and he has listened and he, he'll, he'll be talking to us soon. But um, I agree with you. And one thing that they pointed out, I thought it was interesting that they never stated a personality disorder, but they said a personality disorder with histrionic and narcissistic traits. And that would be someone that would want to disassociate. Don't you agree? Like somebody that uh, is so narcissistic that they can't be wrong, that they just right. want to imagine that they didn't do this. They, they don't want to be the person uh, that we all know she is. Um, so she's pretending a little bit. That's how I see it right. too. Right. And having some experience with cluster B personality disorders um, in my life, I know that some of the characteristics tend to be this black and white thinking and this inability to be flexible in your thinking and, and an inability to accept um, that there is, it, it's sort of like this, I'll use this dumb analogy of like, there's one right way to load the dishwasher and everybody else who loads the dishwasher is just doing it wrong. There's no room for anybody else's way of doing things. And so for her to be, to combine this religious delusion with, those personality traits that make it impossible for her to see that there's any other way to live life or to accomplish her goals or whatever it is, you know, so there's, a, there's a lot to unpack and deal with in that, you know, in those personality disorders. But I think absolutely, you're right that trying to admit you, you can't admit that you're wrong or accept responsibility for your actions. You lived with Lori, you knew her well, what was she sort of that black and white thinking? I didn't notice that so much, but I did notice an inability to take um, responsibility for your actions. You know, she every she wanted things to be at someone else's fault. There was always a reason why something went wrong and it was not ever it, it did not ever land back with Lori. Like, oh, maybe I should have done something differently or said something differently. There was no introspection. There was no um, just no accountability for herself that that goes with the Lori we know 
Uh, were you aware of the lore, the story of her having a near-death experience when she was giving birth to Tylee? Is that a no. story you've heard? No. <laughs> Thank you for mentioning that because that was just wild to me. And I will make room for the possibility that she kept that story private and kept it to herself and didn't tell anybody about it. However, I will also point out that everything that we know about Lori is that if she had some kind of experience like that, that gave her special access to the spiritual world, she would have been shouting that from the rooftops to make us all understand that there was a reason why she was special. And it kind of goes back to this whole visions of glory thing that we've talked about and will continue to talk about because for some reason, she, Chad Daybell, Julie Rowe, they all believed that having a near-death experience gave you special spiritual powers and spiritual gifts. And she mentioned that in her statement. She talked about how she sees things differently than everybody else because she has this special power and this access to the spiritual world. And I, I, I can't agree with Larry more than, uh, you know, outside the steps afterwards when he, with his interview, when he said, it's just a bucket of bullshit. There's just no other way to describe it. And I'm, and I was floored that she would bring that up now at this time. You know, I just, she had never mentioned that to any of the family. I've never heard anybody talk about it before. And that was another one of the things that just really caused me to have a lot of anger. Cause I just, I'm, I feel like she exploited that moment to bring up something that she obviously manufactured. I just don't think that's real. Yeah, it is an interesting thing to bring up now, as we've discussed over the past three years of Chad making up near-death experiences, as we've discussed this belief system and the near-death experience experiences. One of my interviewers called it, you know, NDE porn, you know, just like everybody's talking about yeah. these Everyone's got to have a near-death experience and, and to throw that in as the last thing to say was a really interesting moment. What did you think about it when she said she kept referring to Tammy Daybell as her friend? That was disgusting. That was just yeah. so disgusting to me. Um, me too. It, there's no universe in which that is, is the case. You know, it, it's just, it's, and this is why I keep coming back to this word of delusion. It's like she's invented this world where everybody loves her and she can do no wrong, you know, and, you know, going back to the, to the near death experience thing, it's, it's just wild to me that I, I don't know, I can't, I'm still kind of trying to process and wrap my brain around everything that she said, because it just, I, I was baffled and confused and angry and just so many different emotions coming up for me during that whole thing. And, and since then too, just trying to work through all that. So. Yeah. I thought it was disgusting too. When she said that, I mean, let's, let's just talk about how she could be Tammy Daybell's friend. She's, she just got a life sentence for killing or, or for conspiring to kill Tammy Daybell. She was with her husband of 30 years. I went and visited the track at BYU, Idaho, where they would walk around holding hands while they were married, where, where their one, their Melanie Gibb got one thing, right. She said, what are you doing? You know, you know, having this affair, um, and then, yeah, to call her in these closing statements a friend just shows such a lack of remorse, you know? 
I, it, it would be easy to say delusional. I get it. It's almost like it's so unfathomable. We would say you're delusional, you know, you're delusional. But th- I, I agree with you. We'll see. Somebody yeah. asked when Dr. John is going to bring his analysis soon. I want you all to know we're dividing forces. I was actually supposed to fly home tonight to be with my family. And I am now uh, going to be here a little bit longer. And John is holding down the fort and he knows that everyone wants to hear from him. And so we will do that as soon as we possibly can. I want you all to know. So, And yeah. I will ask too, by the way, if there, if there are people out there who who, you know, former avow members or people who listen to the podcasts or people who are involved in that community. If there is anybody who heard Lori talk about her near-death experience, I would love for them to come forward, even if it's anonymously, to just confirm that for us. Because I would think that with, like you say, with Chad and Julie Rowe and other people talking about their near-death experiences and the podcast that she had and the opportunity she had to maybe write a book or something, she would have taken that opportunity to share that with people because that in that community, near-death experience is like, it gives you this extra added amount of credibility or power for whatever reason. And she would have wanted to take advantage of that. Correct. Just like Chad, you know, we've talked about him adding these near-death experiences to his life later as well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for asking that. Yes. Uh, please do reach out. Um, and, and tell me, how did you feel about the victim impact statements listening to those? Um, I definitely, that, that definitely brought up some emotions for me. Um, I, I was, I was so grateful that they had opportunity to speak. I was a little disappointed that we didn't get to hear summers, um, because I think there would have been some, um, some good points and some good insight there, but I understand her wanting to keep it private. Um, I thought Kay did an amazing job. She has always just been, I, I get, I get emotional every single time I hear her and Larry speak because I think of everything that they've been through, um, you know, on this super long and horrific journey. And I just think what incredible, strong, wonderful people they are. Just love them. I agree. They, they are incredibly strong and they've been going, 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 you know, just for days. Um, I, I actually ran across Kay as I was, uh, coming in right before I interviewed the juror and she was jumping into car to go debrief with, with the prosecution. They just haven't had a break. They've been going and they've done an incredible job and have worked so hard for justice and being involved. Some people are mentioning, by the way, that they haven't heard Lori Vallow Daybell's statement. So I am clicking the link to it. Now we have it on our channel and putting it in the chat right now. So there it is for those that want to, uh, see her, uh, statement. I did cut that very quickly after so that we could all hear it. And I listened to it again. I had to, you know, it was, it was, wow. I haven't done that yet, but I'm sure I will because I, there are some things I probably still need to unpack and process about that. Yeah. I was so impressed with the victim impact statements, even, even Colby's who's was read by the prosecution and, um, Vicki Hoban, who again mentioned that she knew Tylee and how Tylee's friends can't, hardly move on. Um, and I was so impressed with, um, with Samantha William. Um, she, you could, I thought, gosh, if, you know, Tammy must've been a good writer and, and, and because look at her sister being able to express herself so well. And she was so powerful. She was amazing too. What else stood out to you at, at the, at the sentencing? Um, I was 
very confused and baffled by the defense attorney's statements. Um, I, I, I started to sort of give him the benefit of the doubt at the beginning, mentioning his qualifications, because that was real similar to opening opening statements where, you know, I, I, I was sure he was going to say something like, you know, I just, I have to do my job and, and all of that kind of stuff. But I was really baffled by the route he decided to take of, of talking about peace and love. I just, I had a really hard time with that. I was, I was thrown off too. It was not, and look, I am, I am not an anti-defense person by any means, and they've done a good job uh, with, for their client, but it, it threw me off too. I agreed. It, it was, it was off to me for those reasons you mentioned, even just, even just quoting Martin Luther King, like, it's like taking someone's quote out of context and then yeah. right. Peace and love. And, and, and one moment that really stuck out to me too is, uh, and I mentioned this on my live after the trial, but Samantha William, her, her statement was so good. She ended by saying after today, Lori, I'm going to, and I, it almost sounded like she was going to say forgive. And she didn't, she goes, I'm going to forget you. Like that's how she was going to heal by forgetting. And then to have John Thomas, a defense say, guys, in order to heal, we can't forget Lori Vallow. I was like, oh no, the victims can do whatever they want to do. If that's how we need to heal by forgetting her, you know, um, I don't know, just that contradiction there. Yeah. It was, it was hard for me to listen to with love and peace and, and then saying that she's misunderstood. Oh, that was, yeah, that was the worst part. I want to go back real quick to that Martin Luther King quote, though, because he was very obviously talking about um, hate in a very different, love and hate in a very different context. You know, he was talking about the hate that's been portrayed towards people of color for the entire history of this country. And he was saying to his own people that hate against our oppressors cannot drive out the hate that they have directed at us. Thank you. This is a very, very different situation. God bless you. Thank you. (laughs) Taking it so out of context, just twisting his words of a great leader of a great world leader, you know, who left a legacy for us and to, to twist his words, right. And talking about Lori Vallow Daybell, that was, it was a little out of touch. Yeah. yeah, and to go to go from that to saying, you know, that that Lori's misunderstood, and I think just what I, I don't have a word for this yet, um, but but I think that is the worst possible way to describe her, and the best possible way to to ensure that she continues in her delusional state of thinking that she can do no wrong and that everybody loves her. Um, I just, I had a real problem with using that word misunderstood to describe Lori, because I don't think she's misunderstood. I think we understand her very well, because the best way to understand someone is by their actions. And we've seen her actions and we know exactly what she's capable of. So I don't think misunderstood is the proper word in any context when it comes to Lori. I think if anything, Lori misunderstands everybody else in this world. Lori misunderstands us. Lori misunderstands human beings. Lori doesn't see anyone else for who they are except for being objects. She misunderstands uh, what it means to be human. Yeah. Her relationships with people are transactional. 
Yeah. And she doesn't have the capacity for compassion and empathy. Yeah. Janine's in something else that she said he couldn't believe John Thomas, the defense attorney said that he had the nerve to say that Lori's motto is love is the key. Uh, did you hear that? Cause I, I did. She I did. said, yeah, I did. Was- and I, and my, my thought at that time was that love means different things to different people, I guess, you know, she defines love in a very different way than the rest of the world does. If that's, if, if that's her motto, if that really is what she lives by. Yeah. Judge Boyce, you know, um, I, I actually am re- learning to really, really appreciate how methodical Judge Boyce is and how he is, he is a judge in that he weighs yeah. both sides. That's what a judge is supposed to do, is he's supposed to lay out the pros, lay out the cons, lay out that he understands the arguments at hand before making his judgment. Right. Um, and, you know, with so as a judge, he, he brought out some things he had heard about Lori that were good, like that she has been a model, you know, prisoner, that she has not made any waves in the prison system, that she's been, you know, obedient, no one's had an issue with her. And then he brought up, though, um, that that according to many people in her life, she has changed. And you you used to live with her, and you've said some interesting things, that there are parts of her that, that have always been her, but there, but you know, I don't know if you, after hearing today, I don't know if you would have lived with someone like this. So I guess what I'm trying to, I'm, what I'm trying to get at is help us understand a little bit. Has she, has she changed or did you, do we just not really know who she was or, or what? If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. I think that, first of all, I know there were probably a lot of people who were very angry with Judge Boyce um, when when he started saying those types of things, that she was a model prisoner or whatever. I just hope people understand that it is his duty as a judge to first talk about the the mitigating circumstances that may allow for leniency in in sentencing. He has to do that. He has to go over all of those things and present all of that. Otherwise, there's opening for a mistrial, right, for judicial misconduct. So he has to go through those things before he talks about the negative circumstances that that would require more strenuous sentencing before um, making his judgment right right exactly and and to say that Lori has changed and, and I talk about this a little bit in my statement you know it, it I think there was an evolution for sure um I think she got to a point and and the way that I sort of see it is she she sort of she started to realize that she could manipulate people to get what she wanted and I think that she, her inability to accept responsibility for her own choices led her to start manipulating things in order to get what she wanted. And I think that it, it probably began early, earlier on than this, but I've talked about how she made everything about herself and, and about how she kicked me out of the apartment because of circumstances that she sort of invented and whatever. And you know, and then we we get to the to the custody battle and the divorce that she had with Joe Ryan, and we saw her in, invent circumstances and invent things against him to try and get the result that she wanted. And later, 
the court exonerated Joe of wrongdoing. And so, you know, I think it's pretty obvious that she she started manipulating and to get what she wanted. So it was this sort of gradual evolution of making things up and getting away with it. And, you know, causing other people, recruiting other people to her side and having people side with her. And there were many instances when she would say to the family members, don't talk to this person anymore because of X, Y, Z that they did wrong to me. And the family would just jump on board and say, okay, that's right. That person is, is now cut off from the family. Nobody will talk to them anymore. So I really do think that it was a gradual evolution that, you know, that she changed, but um, I think she, she specifically sought out people that she could surround herself with who would believe her, agree with her and, you know, that she could control to get what she wanted. So yeah, there was a change, but I think it happened over a lot, a, a lot of years, not just, not just when she met Chad. To use the frog in boiling water scenario, mm -hmm. the core of who she is, is there. Mm -hmm. And then it, it gradually got worse as people, um, as she got away with things and, you know, as people allowed her to get away with things. Um, yeah. yeah. One of your wonderful gems commented on one of the live streams that the best way to love someone is to hold them accountable. And I applaud that and agree with that hundred percent. And that's one of the things that, you know, Larry was talking about in his interview outside the courtroom was saying that, you know, you have to speak up and you have to say things when, when people are doing things wrong. And I, I agree hundred percent, you know, it is difficult to call people out um, on their dysfunction. It's difficult to tell your loved ones that they're doing something that's hurting you or someone else. But it's so important to have those conversations and to dig into those uncomfortable moments because anything else is not reality. And not and allowing people to get away with things and to not be held accountable for their behavior just continues to let the stone roll downhill until it has so much momentum that it can't be stopped. And I think that's exactly what happened here. Do you feel like her family, your family, her family um, allowed that or to not be held accountable for years and years? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I saw, I saw Lori do a lot of things that, um, you know, <laughs> you have murder on one side and you have goodness on the other side. And there were a lot of things in between that, that she did that people didn't hold her accountable for. And most of it was, you know, telling lies and just saying things that weren't true and maligning other people's character so that she could be seen as the better person and things like that. But, you know, Janice famously said, she's not hurting anybody with these crazy beliefs. And, and, you know, here we are, it would have been worth a conversation to say, Hey, I've noticed that you've really started to, you know, you're going to the temple all the time and you really seem to be devoted to that above everything else. I'm really concerned with how much time you're spending there and what are you running away from? What are you trying to, you know, protect yourself from or whatever the case is? You know, it's not always easy to know what to say in those circumstances, but just to have the conversation start somewhere. What do you think about her uh, starting her statement with scripture with John? That's, that's very on brand, you know? Um, yes. <laughs> and I will say that, you know, I, I agree We're all of us are sinners, but um, you know, 
I, I, haven't, I, haven't, children. I haven't murdered my children, so I'm going to go right. ahead and feel okay about casting a stone in her direction. Well said. Exactly. And then again, just the lack of remorse. I, I've yeah. talked to several jurors who are here. It's really neat to see jurors that have showed up. Again, I want to reiterate, like Rexburg is not that close to Boise. They yeah. had to travel five hours to be here, yeah. these jurors. So they're, they're dedicated and they're, for many reasons, they want to see this. And, um, and you know, and the jurors, I can't even remember what I was going to say. You said that it was on brand. Oh, the casting of the stone. Um, so lack many of, of remorse them, is what you started to lack about. of remorse. Thank yeah. you. Just, that's what they saw in, in court too. They would look at her the, the whole time. And yeah. one, one of the female jurors said just, she had no remorse and we see that now she's still denying it. Yeah. And I'm glad judge Boyce made a comment about her wanting to be excused from having to see the autopsy photos and, and for her not wanting to be in court. And he, you know, took her to task for that and said, all the rest of us had to watch it. All the rest of us are scarred by that. The jurors are having to go through therapy because of what they saw. Nobody who is in that courtroom is ever going to forget those photos. And yet the person who caused this to happen didn't want to be reminded of it. And so I good. thought that was despicable. And I'm so glad that he pointed that out to her. I'm so glad he did that too. That was so good. I agree. That was such a moment in court when that happened when she, she held all of us up because she just didn't want to be in the courtroom to yeah. look at the autopsies, even though everybody else was having to look at, look at them, her, her children. Yeah. And some sick twisted way. I think that she probably believed that that was a way to get people to have compassion for her because she was their mother and it was just too much for her, you know, but I just, I thought that was really, it was really horrible of her to, to ask to be excused that day. I was also very grateful that Judge Boyce brought up, you know, um, it's not just about her. I mean, the worst thing she did was was take their lives. But it's not even just about that. Like he said, even if you knew they were dead, the entire world was looking for your children, aching to yeah. find your children. And you don't even understand or seem to care or understand the heartache that other people have been going through. You, you went to yeah. Hawaii. Yeah. While we looked and while we uncovered their mutilated remains, not we, the law enforcement, right. human beings, other people that they didn't belong to, you know, um, that we had to adopt these children that she wouldn't even help us find. I, I, right. That that was profound to me, too. Like, yeah, like. Yeah, she was laying by the pool while everyone else was shedding tears over the missing children and giving hours and hours of volunteer time looking for them. And going through the the horror of discovering their remains. You know, it just was unbelievable to me. And I also got, what I think the, mo the time that I got most emotional during the verdict was when Judge Boyce referred to blood money because I had just, during the break between the two sessions, had just written those same words in my statement. And it, it just, it resonated with me. And it, I think it's just, it's horrific. Yeah. I like this. The judge brought out uh, things a lot of us hadn't even thought of. He read her like a novel and not a Daybell novel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it was actually well-written. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say anything because I haven't actually read um, the Daybell books. I wanted, I, I have, I wanted to retain brain cells. So I didn't. <laughs> I have. 
Uh, someone said, as a this is interesting. As a nurse, it is so, so common for people, especially those with personality disorders, to report NDEs. Interesting. Mm, I didn't know that. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what, you know, knowing again, your cousin living with her, knowing her family, staying with them, what do you think she's thinking right now? Um, she's probably thinking about her appeal. She's probably, you know, wanting to game plan with her attorneys about, um, about how to, how to get out of this, this, you know, and what to do next. She's wow. probably unconcerned. She probably still believes that she's going to be rescued by angels at some point or that the world's going to end at some point and that she won't have to serve her time. So, yeah. And that Tammy's her friend who visits yes. her in dreams. Yes. Anything else you want to say when it comes to the sentencing? I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure there will be other things that come up for me that I don't I mean, I don't necessarily need to to share everything, um, but I I know it's going to take me some time to to revisit some of what was said and to to connect dots in my brain and, and to unpack and to process and everything like that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's still, it's still pretty fresh. Well, that, that was my next question actually is how are you doing today on this day off from work to how are you doing? I'm doing end? really well, actually. Um, I, you know, I, I had a little bit of anticipatory anxiety last night, you know, just having trouble quieting my mind so I could go to sleep, but um, I wasn't worried about today. Like I was with the verdict. I was with the verdict. I was a little concerned about how that was going to go. If she was going to get the guilty on all of the charges and everything. And, and I knew that today was just a matter of assigning time. So my only anxiety was that um, she would serve concurrent sentences or that she would have, uh, you know, the possibility for parole. So um, I, I slept pretty well though, all things considered. And I, you know, I had a really nice morning and, um, you know, with my kids and, and my partner, Samuel, and then, um, I was able to, you know, to watch sort of peacefully in my own little space. And I really appreciated that. Um, I appreciated being able to take the time over the break to write my thoughts. Cause that's always how I process the best is by writing things out. And, um, I was grateful for your lives afterwards that helped me unpack and process a little bit. And I've had lots of people reach out to me and send their love and support and everything. And I think, you know, tonight I'm just going to make a nice dinner and have a lovely dinner with my daughter and probably watch Gilmore Girls or something dumb like that. So I can sort of turn my brain off <laughs> for the first time in a long time. That sounds like a good plan. It means a lot to us that before you do that, you'd come unpack here with us. Uh, again, we're your friends here. We care about you. And someone's even saying that during the sentencing, they were wondering how you were doing. So it means a lot to us that you just come and let us know and, and share what you're feeling and thinking during yeah, all of that. And like I said, this community has been so wonderful and, and supportive. And I, I appreciated being able to jump on and send some comments during the sentencing as well. And it's just been I couldn't have asked for better circumstances or better people to, um, you know, to share this hard time with. So I'm really grateful. Yes. Well, we would love if you're still willing to hear uh, what you wrote today, your statement today. Sure. Yeah. Thank you.
what does it mean to be a mother? Our first duty as a mother is to provide. Our next assignment is to teach and to guide. But our greatest responsibility and our highest calling as mothers is to protect our children. Not from knee scrapes and name calling, not from every disappointment and bump in the road, but from undue influence, from coercive control, from neglect, from abuse, and certainly from evil. When we become mothers, our interests and desires, our hobbies and projects must necessarily take a second place to the needs of our children. The only time it's reasonable to put ourselves first is to care for our mental and physical health so that we can better care for the lives that have been placed in our hands. Lori was a beautiful child with a bubbly personality, a bright mind, and a quick wit. People were drawn to her beauty and personality, and she learned early in life that she could use these gifts to gain attention and influence over anyone who got sucked into the gravity of orbiting around her. Eventually, attention and influence turned to manipulation and control. The unmet emotional needs of her early life drove her to seek her narcissistic supply everywhere she could find it. Lori's own admission in 2004 that she was a ticking time bomb was one of the only vulnerably, vulnerably truthful statements that she ever made. Lori made a conscious choice to seek out the most extreme teachings of her faith that supported her desires to continue the delusion that she was more important and more exalted than anyone else. She made a conscious choice to ally herself with others, like-minded zealots, who would agree with her warped interpretation of spirituality. She made a conscious choice to seek out a man who not only could be easily manipulated and controlled, but who would agree with Lori about herself and feed her delusion that she deserved to be treated like a goddess. Lori made a conscious choice to fail to be a mother by every definition of the word. More than that, she made a conscious choice to become the monster we all want to protect our children from. She chose undue influence. She chose coercive control. She chose neglect. She chose abuse. Lori chose evil. The way we treat others sends vibrations into the universe. The consequences of our actions for good or evil create ripples that never end. The enormity of evil that Lori sent out into the universe will cause ripples that will accumulate into an unstoppable tsunami, one that will crush her into absolute oblivion. Oblivion, it's the state of being forgotten. It's synonymous with extinction. What if hell is a place where each person must go back and experience all of the moments that they cause someone pain? What if in hell, people can feel and fully experience every negative emotion that they caused others to suffer? If this is the case, it would take a thousand lifetimes for Lori to experience all of the moments of excruciating heartache of everyone touched by this unimaginable tragedy. It would take millions of years for her to relive the unending ripples of the souls living and dead who have suffered because of her selfishness. Lori threw away her life in the pursuit of a non-existent mission and an unreachable goal. In the process, she took the life of a mother away from the Daybell children 
who will have to live the rest of their lives without her love, her support, her kindness, and her affection. She took the life of the honorable man, Charles Vallow, who was a stellar provider, a good husband, and a loving father to her only living son, Colby. She conspired to take the life of Tylee's father and maligned his whole existence and his entire reputation, even after a court of law found no evidence of wrongdoing on the part of Joe Ryan. Nothing in Lori's life, however, is more damning than her failures as a mother. She abandoned her oldest son and irreparably scarred his life with the heinous atrocities that were the murders of Tylee and JJ. She used their lives as a means to portray a public image of a doting mother, obscuring everyone around her to the truth of her evil heart. When she was finished using them, she discarded them like garbage, squeezing out their last value to her in exchange for a pittance of blood money. Now that justice has been served for Tammy, Tylee, and JJ, my hope is that justice will continue to win over mercy. Justice for Charles, justice for Brandon, and justice for the victims to be served on Chad. I also have a childlike wish. I wish that as the trials and the coverage continue, that they will do so without alerting Lori. I wish there to be no microphones or cameras in the courtrooms. I wish for there to be no reporters watching her walk in and out of court each morning and travel back to jail each night. Every soundbite, documentary, newspaper article, book, internet forum, and TV broadcast that reaches the jail cells where she will live out her miserable days continues to supply her sick and demonic greed for attention. My greatest wish is for Lori to walk through the rest of the trials of her life utterly and completely alone. The next time she walks into a courtroom, I wish it would be empty. I wish that there would be nobody there but her and the servants of justice. Lori, you did not care about your victims, and now nobody cares about you. Thank you, Megan. Thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.